Hello, very good evening to you. Welcome to the locker room here on Indie Live Radio. And uh, apologies for last week, by the way, because I must have been singing as though I was smoking a lot of cigarettes. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying smoking's good for you. Smoking's bad for you. But I wasn't. I wasn't well last week, so. But I'm back to my usual kind of annoying voice last week, so that's why. It depends Matthew. what you were smoking. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, but no, we're not advertising that as well. But uh, you can tell Matthew's from Bell's Hill now. Um, so yeah, so as you can hear in the background, we have got Matthew. Hi, how's it going, Matthew? Hi, Michael. Uh, it's all right. It's, we're, we're still in COVID land, so uh, like I don't know. If it always feels a bit unsurreal talking about sport in the middle of all this, but yeah, apart from the usual sort of rubbish, uh, it's been an all right week. Yeah. yeah, it's been a busy week for sport as well, but yeah, we are still in lockdown here, so yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's just uh, kind of dive right in there as we do every week. If you want to comment on anything, email Indie Live, um, Indie Live. No, sorry, say that again. Lockerroom and life at gmail.com. It's been a hard week. Um, so the email address is lockerroom and life at gmail.com. Matthew, I think there's only one I think there's only one place to start this week. Well. Uh, <laughs> Where could it possibly be? So so no, no. Uh, Dubai? <laughs> Is that ring a bell? No. Well, what happened? What happened in Dubai? Well, I, I said to you last week when I sp- was speaking to you on the phone, I need to go now. Goodbye. <laughs> um, that's a rubbish joke. Um, yeah. So that's what I think. That's what Celtic did when yeah. they were talking to the Scottish government. Got to go Dubai. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we yeah we've got a flight to catch uh, beside the swimming pool. Um, but no, seriously, like we were speaking about this last week on the show, and we can uh guess in, in a kind of way. But so, um, Sunday, I'll, I'll, I'll just get split in the situation of nobody's kind of um familiar with the story last week. So, uh, Rangers Aberdeen game was on like the TV. And I was watching it, and after the game, they said that we have got breaking news from Celtic that one player has tested positive for coronavirus. But we didn't know who that was until Monday, and then but we when we found out on Monday there was another thirteen players with a coronavirus as well. Um, so they 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 played Hebson Monday night. It was one each in that game. So, um, Matthew, <laughs> you, you can take on the story. <laughs> um, I mean, where, do you, where do you begin on this ah, story? Because it's just a complete <laughs> and utter shambles. <laughs> um, I mean, we were talking about it earlier on. I think I think the, the Dubai trip is sort of... It just sums up the year Celtic have had, and we sort of laughed about it before because the Celtic season's kind of we were kind of describing it as like Scooby Doo. You know, you might go into Peter Lawwell's office and remove his mask, and Stephen Gerrard's there um, <laughs> because it's just it, it's almost too disastrous to believe uh, that people at the top end of Celtic have actually um, 
sort of steered the ship in this direction. It's just been a complete disaster. Um, I mean, the thing is, I, I suppose what came out of last week was, you know, we were waiting on an apology really from Celtic from what happened with Dubai. We were waiting on Monday, it never arrived. We were waiting on Tuesday, it didn't arrive. Um, you know, we were waiting on Wednesday and it didn't arrive most of the day. I think it sort of appeared uh, very late on. An email dropped in to say that Peter Lowell was almost like Father Jack from Father Ted, you know. I'm so, so sorry. You know, that sort of thing. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. Um, so I don't know why he waited so long. And the only thing is I can suggest is he probably wasn't that sorry about the trip until it became clear that there was quite a lot of Celtic fans up in arms about it and were threatening to maybe not renew season tickets and not buy merchandise. And I don't think he read the the sort of the feeling in the room at, at, at Celtic as to how the Dubai trip would affect people. Um, and I think once the reaction was so bad um, from mainly Celtic fans, um, I think then Peter Lowell decided to come out and say that the trip to Dubai was clearly a mistake, which is correct. Um, and then he obviously said he profoundly apologises um, for it. Now, again, I think that's okay. I think that's the least he could have done. Um because obviously Neil Lennon and his squad subsequently returned from, from Dubai on the Friday. Julian had um, subsequently tested positive for COVID-19, and that meant that Lennon, Kennedy and their team players had to isolate. Now, that on its own, you might think, well, OK, Celtic have done that to themselves, and Celtic fans have a right to be angry, and they do. But when you think about it too, it's not just Celtic that were affected by this. Hibs obviously had to go and play Celtic on Monday, Mm. Um, and they rightfully, I think, asked Celtic to say, well, can we have a further round of COVID tests to see if the players who are playing definitely don't have COVID at this present time? And, and, and Celtic- by, by the way, we, we better, we need to say before we move on, hopefully uh, Christopher Julian's okay. You know? Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that, I mean, these the players are kind of caught up about this because, regardless of what we say about Celtic and the management team, the players have to go if that if they're told to mm. go. So, you know, they're caught up as collateral damage and all this. Um, and I think Hibs were asking for the next round of testing to protect their players, um, mm. and rightfully so. But I thought Celtic disgustingly turned around and said no, they didn't have to, um, which kind of then just continued. My sort of train of thinking is that Celtic didn't see that they'd done anything wrong at this point, and mm. we're continuing in this vein. Um, and obviously, then um, Hibs obviously were upset. Some other SPL teams are upset. Livingston, for example, are playing uh, Celtic tomorrow. They are justifiably upset as well in regards to this situation. But Celtic have, have taken a long time to come out and apologise. I don't think, therefore, that they are that worried. I think this is a PR exercise to try and diffuse what's been going on in the last mm. few days. Um, but I think, you know, deep down, you know, from the start, Celtic were wrong to go to Dubai, even though the Scottish government agreed to this, supposedly way back in October, November time. Um, the situation with COVID changed so fluently that by December and the time they left, it was clear that they shouldn't have gone. Number one, from a health and safety point of view, they shouldn't have went. Number two, again, from a fan's point of view, during this COVID situation, we said this last week, you know, Celtic fans have spent a lot of money in, into the club. Celtic have said they can't really give any refunds this season and have changed the terms and conditions of the contract to suit that. But then I found the money to somehow send, well, was, I think I read somewhere it was a quarter of a million pounds to mm. send all the players to Dubai. It's a complete disaster. Uh, and I think Celtic really need to look at what's going on, not just in regards to this trip, but the whole season has been a complete shambles. 
Um, and I think they really need to to look at where they're going. But again, just to touch back on the, the, the Lawwell's interview, I thought when he said that it was made with the best intentions and they were allowed to go and um, things like that, I think, again, I don't think that was important. I think he should have came out, admitted the landscape had changed in regards to COVID from August to January. I think he needs to admit that they made a mistake and leave it at that. No excuses. I think it was clear to everybody that this was a mistake and Celtic should come out and admit that without any um, extra bits of information given that are relevant. Well, I was saying to you, Matthew, um, before we came on air tonight, there's two bits to the story. Dubai, they, they shouldn't... They, they shouldn't that they shouldn't have went, that, you know, that's the end of the, the shouldn't have went. Um, and some kind of, and Peter Lowell, yeah, you, you could look at Peter Lowell and say, well, you're, you know, surely you you would now have signed off on this and, and all that, what have you. And then you had the game on Monday night against Hibs. Now, that was a perfect good get, uh, good time for Peter Lowell to come out after the game. Because everybody saw Matthew, as you were watching the game on Sky, he was in the stand wearing the mask, <laughs> but probably probably hiding behind the mask. Um, but the that's thing, more than the Celt- and that's more than the Celtic players had done when they were sitting by the pool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but the thing was, and I was saying to you that like, fair enough, got um, Gavin Sklarkin, um A lot of people said he was hung out to Glark. Could glide, and I think you were right, but anyway, so he could have done the press conference after the game, right? So, how it works is, um, if people didn't know how the, the whole media kind of circus works, right? So, after the game, they always have a press conference and they interview the manager and interview a player. It happens at every game, no matter if you win, get beat, or whatever, right? So it would have been easier, right, for Gog, um, for, sorry, Gavin Scracken, right, to do the press conference, speak about the game, and then, and then five minutes later, you would have a press conference just purely speaking about the Dubai fiasco, and you would have Peter Lowell coming in and answering questions. But for Peter Lowell to come out on Wednesday, Wednesday to speak about it. I think that I had to believe because you know there was a perfectly good opportunity for him to come out on Monday and all we had to do was turn around to um, the, the PR officer at Celtic to say look can I hold a press conference after the game to explain the, the situation and say sorry because I think my, my 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 opinion on this last year is I think it it's it's bad that Celtic went away to Dubai and all that, right? But I I do think it wouldn't be as bad if he came out on Monday to speak about it. But to come out on Wednesday to speak about it was a bit random for me and a bit kind of hmm. Why Wednesday? Because yeah, I got a game on Monday night. The TV cameras was there. That was your perfect. That was your perfect opportunity to speak to the fans, you know, answer answer questions about it. But to do it on Celtic TV on Wednesday, and what I was saying to you as well before we move on, because I know we can spend a lot of time on this. 
but the for him to get interviewed on Celtic TV, why did you not hold your press conference on Wednesday say, and invite the, the media in? But I think it, I think it was because um, because it was done on Celtic TV that it, it, it wanted to get a bit more kind of easier, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it probably was that, to be honest. I mean, I think if anybody asks any hidden questions about this Dubai trip, um, Peter Lawwell will have no answer to it because the truth is, like like we were saying before, I think to anybody in the right in the right mind, the, the Dubai trip was wrong. I mean, even when you think about it, Celtic Park, I mean, he, Peter Lawwell on the, on the, in the apology video stated that Celtic had been hit like no other club in regards to covid now mm. that that I don't think is true because I think obviously all fans all clubs have been hit in their own way, whether it's obviously a large way with large finances and large player pools or or war clubs with maybe not so much finance, but they're still hit. So I don't think that's true either. So I think he was making up a lot of stuff there. But I think even from a Celtic point of view, if you think about not Julian, I think was the fifth Celtic player that's tested positive for COVID, but the other ones. If you mentioned David Turnbull, Odds and Edward, near beat on El Hamid, those four players contracted the virus while travelling on international duty. Mm. So surely that suggests that travelling internationally is not exactly safe at this time, like we were mm. talking about before with regards to international football. So mm. for them to have looked at that, said that it was international travel that's caused that, blah, 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 and then take Celtic on an even longer trip, to a training camp yeah, come, yeah. come holiday, which is basically what they had, I think was completely short-sighted. But I don't think, like, hitting on your point, I don't think Lowell saw any of that as being wrong. I no, think he thought no. I think he thought it was the right thing to do for Celtic. I think he was quite arrogant in regards to that. I think he thought, well, this is the right thing to do for Celtic, therefore we're doing it regardless of anything. So <laughs> I'm not sorry for it. But I think the one thing that had changed his mind, like I said, isn't so much Scottish football and Scottish reaction to this. I don't think Peter Lawwell bothers about that at all. I don't think he bothers about the health and safety of Celtic players. I don't think he bothers about the health and safety of other Scottish teams players either. The one thing that made him worry was that the Celtic supporter reaction to this has been equally Mm. as damning as the rest of society. And he's worried about one thing. We're in the middle of January now. Season ticket renewals are coming up. Corporate Mm. hospitality renewals are coming up. He cannot afford to uh, go into that period. COVID's bad enough, but he can't go into that period with even more uh, bad news stories coming out of Celtic. So he had to do something, and the apology was it. And he never realised that until maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, when you know Celtic fans' opinions were coming through the media. Mm. Uh, and he, that's why he did it. I think if he was truly sorry, he would have done what you suggested and done it on Monday. I think um, we can speak about it... Um... We can speak about it for the whole show. <laughs> We're not going to do this. And we might come back to speak about the Dubai part two episode next week. But the bottom line is, they should have went. And the, the thing is, if they, are, if they went to Dubai, what we don't agree with, because, you know, there's people dying and all that because of the, this pandemic in the world, during Sugar Skig at home, because he's out for a few months anyway and he's injured. So why gig he go with the team? 
you know, uh, and and stuff like that. So I mean, we we just have to move on from from here. And Celtic's got a game tomorrow against Robinson, who's uh, you know, Robinson's what nine games unbeaten, and that's going to be a difficult game. Um, let, let's move on now to speak. I mean, just about, quickly, I suppose. Yeah. To, to the, just one last thing about the Dubai thing. I, I suppose if you're a Celtic fan, feels if if COVID wasn't here, right? And Celtic have had the exact same season, and but COVID wasn't here, the exact same season. Would you think it was still appropriate for Celtic to go to Dubai anyway, given the season they've mm. had? The answer would have probably still be no. So yeah, it's no all round. I mean, uh, he had a big fat no from me. But um, yeah. no, I mean, uh, what I would say, like Matthew, was the winter break gigging. Uh, you know, they voted against it this season because of the the whole coronavirus, right? But none of the other teams went away. You know, like Rangers, Aberdeen, Hibs, all the big teams in the SPFL never went away, apart from Celtic. And you've got to ask yourself, why did they do that for? Maybe it was a leaving party for Lowell and Lennon and the rest yeah, of them. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, OK, let's look at the games tomorrow. Um, as I say, Celtic against Livingston. Uh, Hamilton ag- against Gungay United. That was some goal rather like for Lauren Shank- Shankman. And it was a good game as well, actually. I saw the highlights on the on the TV. Hibs come out. That's another good game. Ross County, Aberdeen... Uh, St. Mervyn uh, St. Mervyn is away to St. Johnson just quickly uh, championship games tomorrow uh, Aloha against Hearts Dundee against Air United um, Ross uh, Queen of the South against Abloth and uh, Ray Forwards against Inverness and if you are Falkirk um, yeah Moving into League One, uh, just for a minute. Um, Gary Holt is back in football this week, Matthew, the ex Livingston manager, because he is the spoken director, uh, spoken, well, say that again, sport, sports director at Falkirk. So, but am I, am I right in saying that Gary Holt used to play for Falkirk years ago, or am I making that up? Um, I think he did. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the main thing here is that, well, he, he was at Falkirk before, so he's he's been at Falkirk previously. Um, and I think he's probably quite happy to be back because, you know, um, I think he was the... Was he? The, I think that's where he started his management career. Yeah, and, so, and, I'm, and I'm also getting vibes of my crystal ball, if I have one in front of me, well, if not. Um, Dick... I'm sure he used to play for Falkirk as well. I'm not actually sure. Well, he de- he definitely had his break in management in Falkirk. Um, so I think that he kind of has always had a bit of a special place in his heart for, for Falkirk because it did give him that break in management. And then obviously he's went on. So, it, you know, he's had that recently. In recent years, he's had the two years as manager of Livingston. Um and I think obviously he did quite well at Livingston. Ultimately, I mean, I know they they struggled a bit at the beginning of this season, um, but the year before that, you know, Livingston were a revelation in the league um, and got really decent results against some of the top sides. So he didn't do too badly at Livingston, and he's to be honest, his exit was a bit of a shock from 
from Ammonvale or whatever they're calling it these days. And so I was a bit surprised when he left. And I think Paul oh, Kirk- we we uh, saw them after um just to confirm that I was completely and wrong, but he was at Falkirk. Um, he was a manager uh, there um, in 2013. Yeah, I think that was his first job. Um, so, you know, I think he feels that he can go back. I mean, he was only there for the year. So I think he feels that maybe he's got a bit of unfinished business and he, he wants to get back there to try and get them back into into the Premiership, ultimately. You know, and like I said, he's had experience in, in working at Livingston and getting them to a, to a good level. And I think he'll take that down to Falkirk, who, you know, Falkirk have got a really good youth system. They've got a really good talent development pipeline that they can get from the locality, but also from, from other parts of the UK. Um, and I think, obviously, he'll add to that sort of recruitment. He'll also add to the sports science side of things and, and analysis from his time at Livingston. So... You know, Falkirk have got you know decent coaches. They've got the setup there. He'll add. He'll only add to that. And I think Falkirk are probably doing the right thing. Like I said, with the youth setup, you know, Gary obviously ticks all the boxes in regards to that. So I think they've got a guy who fit, a, a guy who fits into the Falkirk model. And I think because of that, Falkirk have a chance of going up the leagues and, and probably even getting into the Premiership ultimately with someone who knows the Falkirk area and, like I said, the system quite well. I think the I think the only thing that we would say about Falkirk before we move on is I don't know if you've been to the new uh, the 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 new Falkirk ski game or what it's called nowadays, <laughs> but that's really quite a nice ski game and uh, it feels like an SPFL ski game. Only the one one scat um, they've got three scans apart from one kind of like temporary one. Uh, one tenth of this game, but it's quite a nice gig. Yeah, I mean, I seem to remember their main stand. I think is based on the same model as Hamden's new stand, ah, the same okay. architect. And yeah. so I, I, I remember seeing that before. Matthew um, the I mean, builder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, doesn't he fix anything? Bob, um, Bob the builder. <laughs> can he fix it? No, he can't. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, see, I seem to remember that was the case, and this, I have been to the stadium, and I think. But it's not a stadium fit for League One or the Championship. But no. you're right; it's a stadium um, that was built for Premiership football. Yeah. Um, and I think Gary Holt, you know, is the club's new sporting director, can oversee the youth setup all the way through to the first team and get Volker going in that direction. And I think that strategy will work. And I think with Gary Holt on the top of it, he, like I said, he's got experience of doing that previously, um, of of working at teams who maybe don't have a big budget but are finding. Uh, gems outside of outside of the Premiership and also finding youth talent and Gary Holt has experience of that and I think he can bring a lot of um, a lot of success back to Falkirk um, like like arguably he did in 2013-14 yeah. um, Before we speak about tomorrow's games Matthew um, I forgot to mention there's a game tonight Morton against Confirming in the Championship Um that's a quarter to eight kickoff tonight. Um, but yeah, so let's move back. Uh, I think we've gave Celtic and Livingston a wee bit of air to him. So. Well, I tell you what, I think that's the game of the weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I honestly think, I mean, not only, I mean, you're right, we've given Celtic enough air time um, in regards to that. I mean, the Celtics team might still be, or will still be decimated. So Livingston will come into this with a lot of confidence. Um but this isn't obviously the first time, you know, Livingston have, have done Celtic some damage. I mean, I remember, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, 
remember Jim Leishman, I think he was there, you know, when Larson, Sutton, Hartson, Lambert, Petrov, all the big guys were there. And Livingston had, you know, remember some of the players like David Fernandez and Marvin Andrews, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> David Bingham and that. Um, and I think they've obviously given Celtic some, you know, tough games in the past. And this season, I think Livingston have, have looked brilliant as well. You know, Livingston's form, in contradiction to Celtic this season, has been absolutely brilliant. Um, the result against Hibs was unbelievable. Uh, they won five of the last, well, they won the last five. Um, and but you know they ha- they have they tend to struggle a little bit against Celtic at Celtic Park. Um, but they've only love Celtic. I think have only won what twice in the last six encounters against Livingston. I'm trying to think of all yeah. the stats I was reading up to before. It's not. It's not a great record. Celtic tend not to lose, but they have tripped up previously. And obviously Celtic can afford no more trip-ups here. Um, but I wouldn't bet against Livingston getting a result here. Like I said, they've come into form. Celtic are a bit of a joke at the moment um, in regards to their selection issues and stuff like that. Um, and now that they're doing quite well, they're definitely a top-six team. They've they've managed to, even though they've not had a lot of money, you know, they've... Aberdeen, Hearts and Hibs have outspent them. They're still competing higher than all of those clubs bar Aberdeen. Mm. And, I, you know, I think Livingston will fancy it tomorrow. All the pressure's on Celtic, but I think Livingston will fancy going into Celtic Park tomorrow and causing a little bit of an upset. Um, and I think, you know, deep down, who knows what's going to happen with Celtic. I, I don't know what will happen. But I think Livingston have definitely cemented their place in the top five, top six of this league. And if Livingston could get into the top five, that would be an amazing achievement for everyone at Livingston, especially because when you think of it, like we touched on before, the start that they had wasn't great. They've done amazing in the last what the last few months um, since the new management team's taken over. And yeah, I think Livingston could get in the top six. They could sneak into the top five. Um, and I, you know, if there's an upset tomorrow, I can see it happening at Celtic Park. And I mean, don't forget that Livingston's got Celtic, uh, well, weather permitting <laughs> on Wednesday night, uh, one of the games in hand uh, on, on Wednesday night. Let's I move. mean, that was devastating though, wasn't it? Because I was really looking forward to Livingston Aberdeen at, at Ammonville on the Wednesday night. I had the lookings of an absolute cracking game. And then what, five minutes before the game starts, it's called off because of uh, waterlogged pitch slash frozen pitch. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it was devastating but that, that game would have been an absolute cracker and I think we'd have seen where Livingston were at in regards to you know that third, fourth, fifth, sixth position but you know if they can go into Celtic Park and win then what a result that would be and I mean I, I was uh, just kind of like uh, speaking about that game in Wednesday night Matthew I was um, I was listening to Derek McInnes and he wasn't very disappointed about the game being called off, but you would think that because they've came down from Aberdeen, uh, what is that, three hours, four hours, maybe something on the bus, and then to for the game to get cancelled five minutes before the teams came out. You know, um, I think Derek McInnes was a bit nice to Livingston then because if it was, say, Say Inverness, Ross County, I think they would have something to say about it. Um, and and stuff. And Aberdeen's a bit further away as well, you know. So um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not a fan of plastic pitches. I I don't particularly like them. But you know, the idea of the plastic pitches, a lot of the games wouldn't be called off and such like. No. But if, but if these games are going to get called off anyway, 
get a real pitch in there. Yeah, yeah, well, well said, Marcia. Well said. Um, yeah, um, the the Hibs Kamarok, that's a good game as well because Kamarok, yeah, I mean, the Hibs, Hibs weren't doing that great up to recently. They've lost you know three games on the spin, um, up until you know the, the draw at Celtic Park, which for thank goodness for Hibs' point of view, um, they've managed to stop the rot a little bit, but they were on a, I mean. They were on probably the worst run that they'd had all season. So, you know, to get a drop, I thought they looked quite good at Celtic Park. I mean, I know Celtic had their trouble, but I thought Hibs probably dominated that game from start to finish. They had set piece after set piece. Uh, they just sadly didn't take their chances. And then obviously, you know, Turnbull scored an absolute screamer that put them under pressure. But even then, I thought Hibs might get back into the game. And I wasn't surprised when, you know, they scored from a set piece. Um, so, you know, the, hopefully for them, the Celtic game is maybe a bit of a turning point and we can see Hibs go back to the form that they've had all season, really, up to the last uh, three games, really. Kamarnock, you know, they won the last game out. Um, they're a bit hot and cold. They're in the bottom six. Uh, they're on 24 points. But again, because they're hot and cold, like most teams in the bottom the bottom six this year, because they're hot and cold, you just never know which team is going to turn up this week. Um, but they've won two of the last three uh, they've not lost in the last three so you know I think it's a tough game for Hibs and Kilmarnock Easter Road it wouldn't surprise me if the result was a draw but you're kind of hoping that you know Hibs can get back on the form that saw them be so scintillating at the start of this season um, but Kilmarnock will be no easy task so again that looks like you said you know it looks like a it could be an interesting game at Easter Road this weekend and then uh, another interesting game as well is Johnson against Millen Two two de- uh, decent teams on a good run of form at the moment, and St. Johnson might might feel ha ha um sort of hard done by by Wednesday night, but Brown go by Lauren Shanton right enough to make it two each, um and St. Johnson scored some good goals as well, but. Looking at St. Mullen Mafia, they they've actually been on a good run of form as well at the moment. Well, it's pulled them out. The re- I mean, I they were in a bit of relegation trouble. Now, they're not out of the relegation trouble by all means. Um, I think that, like I said, that bottom six are quite closely compact um, because you've got Ross County who are bottom on 17 points and then you've got Kilmarnock who are obviously seventh on 24 points. So all it takes is a run of form from anybody or a drop in form from anybody and you're right back in trouble. So it's very closely compact and I, I think that's because obviously the top six have been probably obviously a bit better than the bottom six and they've been winning most of their games against the bottom six so that's put a bit of pressure on them um you know and because of that these games between the bottom six are even more important so st johnson obviously i think they they did obviously like you said they did quite well against Dundee united on wednesday i thought they were arguably the better team in periods but mm. you know it's devastating when you know you finally concede a goal and it's a you know, what was it, 50 odd yards out, was it, from Shankland? Was it 53 yards? Yeah. Um, yeah. Near enough his own half, you know, he, he scores an absolute peach that he'll probably never score again. Uh, and that means you drop the two points. Um, I, was so, Johnson point of view. I, <laughs> so, I was so disappointed, Matthew, because uh, I, I scored a goal further out in five or six years ago. And, uh, you know, they, they never spoke about that. And then I woke up 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, Ross County against Aberdeen as well. That that could be a tough game for Aberdeen because I don't know many teams that's went up there, Matthew, and had an easy game of it uh, over well, the years. Yeah, I mean, Ross County, it's a shame they're obviously rock bottom at the moment. But like I said, again, you know, anything could happen. So all it takes is Ross County to maybe get a shock result this weekend. They're up to 20 points and they'll put everybody else in trouble. So, you know, it's very important, I think, for the bottom six teams to finally start getting on a run of games uh, or run of wins to try and get themselves out of relegation bother. Um, not only because it's so tight, but obviously, you know, there's, there's rumours going around what would happen with the Premier League in regards to covid you don't want to be in another heart situation where you yeah. know the league gets called and you're unfortunately one point off safety, but you get relegated because you know the the, the precinct's been set um, in regards to what happens when that ha- when the season gets called. So, at Ross County, Hamilton, Motherwell in particular need to start getting wins to try and get off that bottom spot. It's a tough task. I mean, I think Aberdeen Aberdeen are on a pretty good run a form. They've only lost one lost one in the last five. Um you, you know, it's a derby of sorts. It's a Highland Derby. Um anything could happen. But again, I would probably expect Aberdeen to come away with the win. I think the like I said, down there I think the bottom the, the big game I think is the one you brought up earlier, the St Johnson St Mirren game. Uh because I think the winner of that might have just created a bit of space and maybe in regards to safety. And I would I would expect St Mirren to probably win that because they do have uh, aspirations to not be a bottom six team. I think they see themselves as the top six side ultimately. Mm. So possibly St Mirren wins that and that aspiration might become a bit more reality. But um, it's so tight down there, you don't want to be losing games, especially not to other bottom six rivals. You, you were saying uh, Marwell, obviously Marwell's getting a new manager, uh, Graham Alexander, and they play Rangers. Uh, at twelve o'clock on Sunday, and that was the, that was you might say that was the last really real challenge Rangers had at Ibrox because Marwell dominated the first half. They were one and one now, and then Rangers won. What was it four one at Ibrox that day in December? Yeah, I mean, I actually thought before that there might have been a shock on the cards. Uh, so, like, they went into that game, um, I think most people thought they were going to lose, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought Motherwell might compete at Ibrox, and they did. Not Maybe not so much because Motherwell were, were that good, but just because the pressure was on Rangers to do something um, and maybe get a result in a sort of expected-to-win situation. And they struggled, you know, Motherwell played quite well. Rangers struggled to break them down. Eventually, they did. Um, and this game might be a bit harder for Rangers as well. Fur Park... I must admit, if you're a Rangers or a Celtic fan, I think Fur Park's quite a happy stomping ground for you. In recent years, I think, you know, most of the time Rangers and Celtic can come away with wins there, especially because Motherwell were 10th in the league and they've not won in the last five. Their form is not that as atrocious. They've been in a bit of free fall, to be honest. And again, it wouldn't surprise me if they fell bottom this weekend. But the one thing I would say is new management tends to result in the whole place getting a bit of a lift. Players that maybe weren't playing before get a little bit of a lift. They start performing for the new man. Um, and now, and obviously it's disappointing to see how that happens, but that's just the nature of the beast. So Rangers could come into this expecting to win. Motherwell might have a bit of a revitalised revitalized squad because of the new management uh, team there. And they could 
find it's maybe harder work than they expect. But again, I can't see past Rangers ultimately. I think Rangers this year. If you if you look at that, not only like we were talking before, they've scored fifty nine goals the most in the league. They've conceded only six, the least in the league. Their goal difference is plus fifty three after twenty three games. It's really good. They've won five of the last five. Um, they're on course for a record um, points tally that we've only really seen under a few times. Maybe Martin O'Neill, uh, Brendan Rodgers, maybe hitting those sorts of marks. Rangers could overtake that this season. They're on course to do it. They're also on course not to lose a league game this season. Um, so it's all pointing towards a win for the Ibrox men um, at Fur Park. But you never know. <laughs> you, you never know. The you never know. Huh. Well, yeah, it's geared up for a banker and a way banker. But how many times have we said that before? I'm so glad that you say banker there, Matthew. <laughs> uh, and, and stuff. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of those words that you're only <laughs> a letter away from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when you're sober. <laughs> yeah, one letter out, you're done. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, mother would have been on an awful run of fixtures but yeah I mean it's, it's just they're waiting for a spark and if they could get any sort of spark to get their season going, we've been saying that all year though Michael but yeah. if they finally get that spark to get going maybe against Rangers this weekend if our park's a game to do it but um, I wouldn't bet my I wouldn't bet my pen that I'm holding on it, you know it's like I, I just can't see past Rangers the, um, How about this I link Matthew from Marwell to Australia I don't know I don't know what the link is there, but hey ho. Um, maybe there's a maybe there's a motherboard in Australia. I don't know. Uh, a bumblebee, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, trends in sports because the uh, Scottish number one tennis player um, Andy Murray has been tested positive for coronavirus, so he might be out of the Australian Open. So that's a bit of a blob uh, for Andy Murray because this came last year. He was just coming back after injury, Mafia, and now he's out uh, He's out of one of the biggest uh, grand slams of the year um, because of uh, coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, obviously he was hoping to participate in it. And like you said, he'd been out for a little bit of time and, I think we'd spoken about him, you know, it was good to have him back, it was good to get him game time because he wasn't at his best, but obviously because he'd been out for so long, you know, he was hoping to start playing in these competitions and get on a little bit of, you know, a little bit of form in them. He was due to fly out to Melbourne on a chartered flight uh, and hopefully, you know, he was thinking about maybe getting there over the next 36 hours, depending on when the flight took off and whatnot. Um, But instead, you know, he's really disappointed because he remains in quarantine in London, so that those plans have been out the window. But you know, from what I understand, Andy Murray, you know, is still in good health. Um, he's not been affected by the coronavirus um, from a from, from a, obviously a health point of view. He might have it, but um, he might have it from a positive testing point of view. But he's not been sort of had the sort of symptoms attached to it, so he remains quite happy with that. Um, and therefore, he remains quite hopeful that eventually, when he's allowed to travel, he'll be able to go over there later. And compete as planned, just obviously not as much, you know, getting orientated to Australian time, not maybe as much training as he wanted to get in before it. But he is hoping, like I said, to, you know, travel over there and compete as planned, because I don't think the Australian Open is planned to start until the 8th of February. So it's, what, three weeks away? So Mm. he still can get through that quarantine 
14 days and hopefully you can then travel over to um, Australia and compete. So it's bad news, but it's also good news in the, in the sense that he is still planning to compete there. Yeah, let, let's hope he's okay and pull through because we always like Izzy and him when they back on the court, especially because last year he was out for, uh, or the season before, I can't remember, he was out for half the season and there was, remember, there was always of rumours going about Casey, about he's, he's recapped. He, he's retired, but he came back and all that. So let's hope he, let's hope he pulls through and uh, performs in the school year. And also the other thing as well, Matthew, is that it would be good to have Wimbledon back this year because as you know, Wimbledon was cancelled last year because well, maybe maybe Andy Murray's well maybe Andy Murray's mum could uh, shave her hair and just pretend to be Andy for this competition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so. Uh, just quickly on the rugby, the rugby kind of news, uh, the, the women's uh, Six Nations um, feature in Scot- Scotland, Matthew, has been delayed and they're aiming to start their competition in spring of this year. Um, but or um, but there's more news coming soon, but also uh, the Six Nations for the men is due to start in February, so we'll have more news coming soon on, on that. So that'll be good if we have that. Yeah, I mean, just a quick one on, on that one, I suppose. The only thing that's a, a bit of positive news from the women's tournament um, is obviously the Six na- Nations, as you've said, for men, is looking like it'll be played in, over the February-March time. But the, the good thing is, I suppose, when the women's Six Nations starts, they'll have... Um, they'll have that market all to themselves. They won't have any competition from the men's side. They'll just purely be able to show uh, live on television, hopefully, the, the women's tournament, and that maybe give a bit of um, an opportunity for the promotion and development of the women's game at all levels. Um, so it's, it's quite exciting from that point of view to be able for them to step out of the shadow of the men's game. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And, and to have their own competition and you know, be on the be on the TV at the same time because when the women's Six Nations are on, Matthew, the men's Six Nations are on at the same time. So it's a bit like what we were saying to Maureen uh, a few weeks ago, um, when we were speaking about women's sport. And by the way, you can still you <laughs> you can still listen to the podcast. You can then we'll get on the End of Life website. But what what I was saying was. Um, if the, if you have men and women's sport on at the same time, men's sport seem to dominate uh, women's sport. If you see what I mean, and uh, women's sports are on, but not a lot of people's watching that because the men's sports are still kind of like dominating it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things as well because. When you're watching sport, it is on at the same time. You've got the Six Nations games, so there's a few games there, uh, three games at least. So you're watching three games over the weekend. Then you've got the under twenty games are on, so you might watch the odd one of that. That's maybe four or five. It's you're rugbyed out almost by the end of it mm. because you're obviously you're watching other sports too. So to have that that spell where the women's game is the only sort of game in town on. You can watch those games without having to worry about any other sports. I think it is an exciting opportunity for the women to capitalise on that um, and they can show what they can do on a wider stage. 
Uh, just quickly, Matthew, before we move on to uh, speak about MFL, and because uh, I know you're warming up to speak about that in the background, um, this season's Kalkaka Cup, uh, no, no Kalkaka Cup, uh, Challenge Cup and European Cup uh, pool matches has been rearranged because of the, obviously because of the coronavirus. And also the games will uh, the games will will be set to take place over the next two weekends, but instead the Challenge Cup Cup games will go ahead in April. But um, as you were saying, Matthew, before the show, it will go straight out to knockout games. It won't go to the the user pool games. It will go straight to the knockout games in April. Yeah, I mean, I think the Premiership Rugby have been quite vocal on this, uh, the English Premiership Rugby. I mean, I think they've said that the reason that there, there can't be any reschedule with those fixtures is because in regards to the Premiership, at least, there are no actual available weekends between now and the end of their season. So their season is completely full right now until the Premiership final. So there was just no way of rescheduling them uh, and therefore, Europe had no choice. The European rugby had no choice but to obviously go straight to the knockouts as planned in April and May. Uh, but there was another one as well. We were we were obviously talking about Glasgow and Edinburgh last week. Now, that game was postponed due to bad weather. Mm-hmm. So that game has now been rearranged for, um, for Scotstone Stadium on Saturday at quarter past five. So, you know, like I said, the, the derby was due to be played last Friday. Um, but there was a frozen pitch, so it was delayed. I think that's a plastic pitch too, actually. What is it with these plastic pitches? <laughs> um, so that pitch was frozen on Friday. Um, but both sides are now free this weekend because the European competition was suspended. That's freed up this weekend. And because of that, you know, the fixture, uh, Edinburgh against Glasgow, will be played on Saturday at quarter past five instead. Um, and, all you know, everything we were talking about last week applies. Um you know, Saturday's fixture will be the second in a best of three contest for the 1872 Cup. Edinburgh did win last 10-7 at Murrayfield, although it was a close encounter and it's anybody's guess what will happen. So again, Saturday, quarter past five, uh, is a place to watch the 1872 Cup um, Edinburgh-Glasgow game. And I forgot to mention, Matthew, sorry to take you back to football here, but I forgot to mention about the, this week the Scottish Cup has been suspended um, because of the, you know, testing and all that for the uh, coronavirus, and the Scottish Cup games was meant to take place on the thirtieth of this month, but be, um, so the Scottish Cup's been cancelled. But I'm happy to to hear that they've actually pulled in the, the Premiership games that weekend as well. So you'll not be without football that weekend. Well, it's. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, the Scottish Hello. Cup is quite funny because, I, um, I. Can you hear me, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Basically, I mean, I think the Scottish Cup. I would you be surprised if the SFA said the two thousand and twenty twenty one Scottish Cup will now be played in two thousand and twenty two in the summer? Because <laughs> like, like, I I don't think the SPA, SFA and the SPFL obviously 
really know what they're doing. I mean, I think not only is the Scottish Cup, you know, now being postponed, but Neil Doncaster recently has refused to rule out declaring the season null and void as well mm. if coronavirus restrictions grind the game to a halt. So I, I just think coronavirus has just basically destroyed um, a lot of the football this year. I wouldn't be upset, like the Scottish Cup last year. I think realistically I wouldn't be upset if they just said, you know, no cup competitions at the moment. You know, let's just try and get the league sorted and, and done if we can. But, you know, I again, like last season, I don't think there should be null and void because we've, ne- we've completed over half of the season. Um, I think the, the teams have worked really hard to get to this point. I don't think there should be a null and void. I think whatever happens, if the game does have to be called to a halt, then I think where we're at should be the end results and the league placing should be should be maintained. Um, because mm. I think it's too far. Once you play one, once you play once at least home and away, I think then it's fair. And 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 in Rangers' case, I don't think it would be fair to call the league a null and void at this point because no. you know they're, deser- they're they would be deserved champions like Celtic were deserved champions last year. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's speak about MFL now, Matthew. <laughs> Your favourite subject. Well, there was a bit of news talking about politics, I suppose, there, because we were talking about, obviously, null and void and what would happen if, um, if obviously, politics grinds the season to halt. But there was some interesting news this weekend about the NFL um, basically had the top coach in the NFL of all time, I would say, Bill Belichick. Uh, he's the coach of the New England Patriots. And he said this week that he will not accept Donald Trump's offer of the Presidential <laughs> Medal of Freedom. Now, this is this is surprising because, I mean, I like Belichick as a coach, but I don't really particularly like his politics. Bill Belichick's actually quite friendly with Donald Trump. He has uh, spoken quite fondly, fondly of Donald Trump's politics. He's quite, he's quite proud of his friendship with Donald Trump. So, therefore, when Donald Trump offered him the, medal, the presidential medal of freedom, I think we all expected him to take it, to be honest. But it just shows you how situation in America has changed over the last couple of weeks because it's got to a point now that the storm the storming of Congress has and the resulting death of five people has meant that even though he's friends with Donald Trump Bill Belichick can't safely accept the Presidential Medal of Freedom because number one you know he, he just can't really be seen to stand stand for someone that's against the American principles of freedom um, and democracy, so he, he can't take it for that reason, principle, supposedly. But number two, I think it's a coaching decision, because if he accepted that from Donald Trump, if you're one of the many black, great black players who played for the Patriots and will continue to play for the Patriots, if you're a black player going in there and he has accepted this award from Donald Trump, would you be happy playing for a man who is clearly unprincipled as that? Yeah, so, let, let me think about that. Uh, no. Yeah, so I think he's done it maybe from a sort of common decency point of view, possibly. But I think mainly I think he's done it from a football point of view. And the fact that that will result in him coaching certain um, nationalities or certain cultures, a player might not be as effective if he take this award as if he, if he didn't. So I think he's he's been quite smart there and not, and not accepting that medal. Yeah. Uh, so on to the, the games, I mean, uh, we've obviously got through the first round of the playoffs and it was really exciting this weekend. So I'm going to round off some of the fixtures that are going on this weekend. Uh, 
the, the one of the games I think that I think will be the game of the weekend or the most interesting game is the Buffalo Bills are playing the Baltimore Ravens. So, but the Buffalo Bills, um, I don't know. I mean, they've 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 been probably the best. Obviously, one of the best um, teams in the AFC, AFC all season. Um, their defense has been pretty tight. Their offense has been pretty tight. They've won games against some tough teams. So um, I think this is just going to be one of those games where the battle could go either way. And because of that, it's quite tough to call. Kind of like Baltimore Ravens last weekend um, against the Tennessee Titans. It is very difficult to say who will win this game. I've got a sneaky suspicion that the Baltimore Ravens might come out on top of this. And I think it'll be their defence that might do that. Um, I th- you know, Lamar Jackson, I think, is, 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 is probably this season, definitely second half of the season, been one of the quarterbacks of the year. He scored an absolute great touchdown last weekend when Baltimore were, were struggling to get the run game going. They were struggling to get the pass game going. They were, uh, Tennessee were in the ascendancy. And Lamar Jackson, at one point in the game, took the ball and ran maybe 40 yards with that. Uh, to get a touchdown, and that turned the game for the Baltimore Ravens. So I think Lamar Jackson might be the turning point for them offensively, but I think it might be the Baltimore's defence that might have too much, uh, and they will eventually overcome uh, Buffalo Bills, which would unfortunately bring their great season to an end, but I I can see it going that way. Uh, One of the other great games, I think, this weekend is the Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Cleveland Browns. I don't think this is as much of a competition as what the last game was. I think Kansas City are going to come out fast. I think they're going to score points. I think before the Browns get into the game, the game could be over. The Chiefs are by miles the best team in the AFC. And I think the Cleveland Browns, even though they've done well this season, uh, I think the Chiefs will have too much for them. And having the break uh, on the bye over last weekend, I mean, Kansas City Chiefs are coming in fresh. So I think the Kansas City Chiefs will have too much in that one. And then we have the last game that I'll talk about in depth. There is another game, Rams against Packers. I think the Packers will win that one. They'll have too much for the Rams. It's a similar uh, one as Kansas City Chiefs. But the New Orleans Saints are playing the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That This is an interesting game because the two, two of the arguably greatest quarterbacks of all time will play against each other, uh, Tom Brady and Drew Brees. I'm going to go with the Saints. So number one is they're at home. And I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will struggle against that. And I love the way they're operating offensively and defensively. The New Orleans Saints have looked good. So I expect this to be a battle, but I think Drew Brees will come away uh, eventually with the victory um, in the battle of the 40-year-old quarterbacks. Uh, I think uh, New Orleans Saints will have too much. And even though Tampa Bay you know, did throw off the monkey off the, the monkey off the back last weekend by getting through to this stage, I think New Orleans Saints will have too much. Um, so before we go this week, Matthew, um, don't forget you can email us uh, lockerroominjourlife at gmail.com, comment on anything that we spoke about this week. If you've missed this, if you've missed this show, you can download get the podcast as well. Just go to the Indie Got Regal website and you can find us on there. But we were speaking about um we always like to speak about new sports on the show. Uh, well, not new sports, but new sh- sports because this show. And uh, you've got a bit of news on uh, Shinty. 
But I always like talking about Shinty, and it's a shame because when we started the show, uh, we were obviously in lockdown, as we are now. <laughs> um, things haven't changed very much, actually, Michael, since we yeah. started the show. Um, so Shinty hasn't really got into, hasn't didn't really get into their season in 2020, and now we're obviously coming into 2021. Uh, so I think Shinty, the association, are hopeful that the season will begin in 2021 at some point. That's the first thing. But they, they confirmed yesterday that every Shinty club that registered in season 2019, which was the last time they played, every club registered in 2019 have confirmed their intent to take part in season 2021 when it commences after lockdown. So so clearly, the, the, the positive thing for that is that no Shinty club has been sort of knocked out of assist out of existence because of the lockdown and each one of them will continue to play in 2021 when the season starts so that that's a really bit of positive news for for clubs around the country because I mean as you know I think obviously football and rugby takes takes in a lot of the um cities and stuff so a mm. lot of the shinty clubs are out are pretty remote they're up in the highlands they're on the islands they're, they're a real cent. Not only are they a sport, but they're a real uh, centralised point of the community. So a lot yeah. of the community work comes through shinty clubs. Um, so that's why, not only from a sporting point of view, but from a community and local point of view, it's really good news that no club has went out of existence because of the lockdown. And we look forward to eventually the season 2021 starting uh, in regards to shinty, and hopefully uh, the final details of this restart of shinty will be known. Um, by the end of January. Yeah, it'll be good to to cover a bit of Shinty on the show. But as you say, I mean, when you see, you know, uh, Shinty on on the TV when when it gets covered, it reminds me of what the a community sport when people get together and you know if they haven't saw their neighbours or their cousins or or whatever and getting together and just get. Uh, kind of like going to the games and stuff like that. So it's good to see about Shinty as well, because I think we've covered every sport under the sun while, while we've dug the show, Matthew, for a year, but uh, that's only sport I don't think we've covered yet. It's uh, Shinty, so it'll be good to, to cover that and give it a bit of uh, news on, on the show in the, the coming weeks. So thanks for listening this week. It's been a busy, busy show as always. And we'll be back next week here on Indie Live Regal. So have a good week, Matthew, and we'll speak to you next week. Yeah, stay safe, everyone.